Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-U-S.com. Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Are tech giants and the government tracking you and spying on you through your cell phone? Huh. We'll explore this concern on this episode of 5G, guys. Hey, everyone. This is Dan McVaugh. Hi, everyone. I'm Wayne Smith. Thanks for listening to another episode of the 5G, guys. Continuing on the theme of the most frequently asked questions, we thought we'd tackle another question we get a lot of, a lot of that borders on conspiracy theory. But this one actually has some legitimacy to it on certain levels. Yeah, it is. It is a, a, a an interesting one. It came up for me a week or so ago when I was at dinner. But the conversation was around that this person said the government was tracking us collectively and our movements as it related to contact tracing for COVID and as it related to whether or not as a group we were doing the right things about whether we were going to events and things that that, that our local government agencies might be asking us to refrain from, something of that nature. And so it, it spurred a conversation for almost an hour about, you know, what I know about our cell phones and how our cell phones may or may not be able to track our whereabouts and then what could happen with that information or not happen with that information, what it's, what's legally allowed to be used. So it was, it was a really, um, and it's not the first time it's come up. So I thought, uh, yeah, let's, let's tackle that because I think it's one that it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it does border on conspiracy theory, but there's some technical legitimacy to what our phones do as it relates to tracking our whereabouts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so you're speaking about privacy, you know, and how the privacy is interpreted from the use of our device. You know, the reality is that our phones are known, you know, our phone locations are always known. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have been to a certain extent since the very beginning, since they've been out. Right. So let's talk a little bit about all the technical history of our phone's location information and how it's tied to them and how it's used. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, back when you and I first started working in the industry, when we had 1G and 2G phone service, the whole concept of keeping track of our phone's location became very important for two specific reasons. One was, at the time, during analog phone service in one to 1G days, there was a type of fraud known as phone cloning that was occurring. What that was, was someone would clone your phone number on another phone and they would basically make calls that would get paid for by your account. Cause that was back in the days when we paid 80 cents a minute and it was expensive. So we started detecting locations of phones kind of at a really macroscopic level. Like I remember tracking a fraud case where I had a user in Tallahassee, Florida who miraculously made a phone call 
and then five seconds later made a, a phone call in Texas. Not possible, right? So at a high level, we were keeping track of where phones were at based on which cell site they were using. Um, and then we fast forwarded to 2G and we had this issue of people making 911 calls and emergency service didn't know where they were, right? You called from your home, your address is transmitted to the 911 dispatcher, they can send the ambulance, whatever. Cell phones, they first responders couldn't, they had no idea where we were when we made 911 calls, right? Hmm. So we started doing triangulation, right? We started using three or more cell sites and using propagation delays and signal strengths to estimate a location so we could at least get within the vicinity of a user. So that's sort of the history of how phone location started coming about, why the industry started looking at that for two very valid and very important reasons, right? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there's two in the early days in my recollection of how a GPS was used was it was used for timing. You know, what it did is it provided a timing link or SS7 link across all cell sites. So that way, when you made a call, the timing was the same. But then the GPS progressed and other uses of it for location. So why wasn't it used um, or the GPS wasn't used in 1 and 2G? Uh, Well, for one, at that time, um, GPS receivers were super expensive. They were like $1,000 a piece. So it wasn't feasible from a product standpoint. And it was big and bulky, consumed a lot of power. So you couldn't put it into a portable phone. But more importantly, GPS was born out of the defense industry. Um, It actually started with Sputnik by the Russians, but it really got adopted by the U.S. And the GPS system that was launched originally and to this day is owned and operated by the U.S. And it was for defense department uses. It was for timing, like you said, and then ultimately positioning for things like guided missiles and moving troops around, right? And so the government was, um, while they made it available to the public, they were sensitive to it being used for nefarious purposes that would compromise our military capabilities to our, our foes. So, they literally introduced errors into the GPS system for the public's use so that um, while it was very accurate for their uses, when we used it, we didn't necessarily always have enough accuracy geographically, location-wise, to rely on it for location because of those introduced errors. Pretty interesting. Definitely. Uh, I think the, the first handheld GPSs were that way in accuracy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're done, but They've been around for quite a while in the mm-hmm. technology, right? We've been able to commercially get a handheld GPS since, what, mid-90s? Yeah. In fact, it's it's funny, this theme that I, even I'm recur- re- realizing in the show that we've since we started recording the podcast, 1996 was a good year, man. We've talked about past episodes, <laughs> like, right, the Telecom yeah. Act. We've talked about other things that happened to, in our, our health and safety episode. We talked about the FCC really starting to regulate the safety of cellular and wireless exposure for humans. Well, what else happened in 96 was the newest and latest and greatest GPS system that was opened up for the public to use with extreme accuracy, not introduced errors by the government. So it's really amazing the confluence and convergence of technology that happened in 1996. So yeah, that's that's when it was really possible to start using GPS in a handset because the price also came down. It came down to like a buck a, a chip at that point and it was small. 
Wow. Wow. It's, a, it's, it's super interesting because when we started this, how is the data being used, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it your GPS in your phone? And, you know, some questions I think will, will come up during this conversation is, when is the GPS? Do you need the cellular network to utilize the GPS feature? Or is it truly a GPS and cellular phone at the same time? It's the answer is yeah. <laughs> it's both, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a GPS setting on your phone that uh, in certain conditions, you can't, you can't disable it. When you make a 911 call, it is going to activate and use the GPS in your phone as a means to help share your location information to the dispatcher, to the 911 system to improve the ability to know where you're at. So first responders can find you like it's, you can't disable that. There's other times that you can disable location on an app by app basis. You can tell Facebook, it's not allowed to use your location in your settings on your phone if you want. Wow. So the real question then is what's being done with our phone's location? (laughs) Right. Right. What is being done with it? Right. So for sure, like I said, it's still being used for 911 calls, uh, even to the point now that very recently that FCC is dictating that your vertical location gets sent. So if you're like on the 12th story of a building, that first responders can have that. So that for sure is happening. And for sure, that data is also available to the government in the case of, in in the case of the United States specifically, in the case of warranted law enforcement activities. What I mean by that is you're a criminal, you just potentially committed a crime, they can go to the courts, get a search warrant with probable cause, and then go to the carriers and the carriers have to, by law, basically provide tracking information for you as a suspect for law enforcement to be able to try to find you as a as a uh, suspected criminal or, 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 or fugitive or whatever the case may be. So those are two specific areas that it's definitely being used for. But more than anything, what it's being used for is all of these cool apps that we have on our phones that are all location-driven, location-specific, right? Um, you talked on on one of the last episode, you talked about Waze, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when you pull up Waze or Google Maps or Apple Maps and you look to see what the traffic looks like, where do you think that traffic data is coming from? Yeah, from your GPS, right? Everybody's phone that has that app installed is reporting back where you're at, how fast you're traveling. You don't know it's doing it, Um, but it is. It is. Well, I mean, but at least in the U.S., we had the Constitution to protect us. Uh So they say the Fourth Amendment disallows the use of use without properly causing a warrant, like you said before, for the government. Right. But it also disallows private industry from using the information with our specific identity tied to it. Right. But and there's always a but to that, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, to your point, so does Google, for example, have troves and troves of data about all of us that are using a Google service on our phones? Absolutely. They have a ton of information about where we're at, when we're there, how fast we're moving, blah, blah, blah. But by law, they are supposed to strip off our identity from that data and not use that data in any way that violates the Fourth Amendment, um, First Amendment, all of the different um, rights that we have in the Constitution. And other countries, it's not as much the same. But in the U.S., that is the case. Now, 
that's technically what's going on. You know, do we think that Dr. Evil behind the curtain of some corporate it could be violating it? It could be, but by law, that is not allowed for them to do. So, but, but let me jump in here for a minute. So, by law, it's not allowed them to do that way. Mm-hmm. But as we accept user terms and different things with them when we download an app or use our phone, we're granting certain permissions of all, not only the cell carriers who collect the data, but all of these apps to use our information, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So when you're opting in to things like a push notification, they may be using my identity and my location to push something to me when I'm set, reach a certain set of circumstances, which could include my location. You know, um, and there's also, you know, there's also other location information that can be gleaned from your phone aside from GPS. You know, you have proximity from Bluetooth. During COVID, Apple came out with a, a feature that you can opt into that your phone's proximity to other people's phones is tracked by Bluetooth association between those phones. Then they're able to send notifications to anyone that was within proximity of me that opted into that service, an alert, hey, you were near somebody. And so it was a contact tracing feature. You had to opt into it. You could not, they could not legally do it without you saying, yes, I want to do it. And you could read the terms. But, you know, if you're somebody that just clicks through the yes, 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 without paying attention to the terms, you could be opting into something where your location information is being shared in ways you don't know. Wow. So I do remember a story. I think you could probably find it on Google for sure. But during, you know, since COVID happened in March, April, that they did use cell phone data to see all of the spring break in Fort Lauderdale, you know, down in Florida and how those spring breakers disseminated across the country and you could see the path, which was amazing to see that data. And so that data was granted through these, just like you're saying, they didn't know who it was, but they knew this person went to Florida during the height of the pandemic and then left and went somewhere else back to the university or home or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, you know, use case of it. I think the maps were just crazy in how far they spread. Yeah. You know, I mean, how the user went, you know, I've never seen them tracked from one central location out dispersed across the country. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and in that case, what that data was legally used to be able to identify at a macroscopic level how people were moving around and then dispersing and and. But in in no way were you able to say, well, that was Wayne that went from Denver to Fort Lauderdale and then back to Boston and back. Like they did not have the ability because it had to be sanitized legally. So they couldn't come after somebody and say, hey, you broke the rules and we're going to come after you. There was another interesting case. um, As we all know, during uh, the lockdown, tons of home improvement projects, right? Well, the first key indicator that that was going on was they actually started looking at where people, as things started opening up, were going. Guess what the number one most visited locations was generally across the U.S. during lockdown, right as we came out? Home Depot. 
They were able to see that data and they were able to see the foot traffic in Home Depot during lockdown or right after lockdown. And it was, that was all how they started seeing the indicators of all these people doing home improvement projects. Pretty interesting analysis that companies like Google were able to do. Guilty. I went to Home Depot. I did all kinds of projects during the lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Who, Who didn't, right? I know. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So really interesting. I think there's, you know, and and it's that it's become a saying that's really true. Like if you have a product that you're using for free, you're the product. Wow. That's so profound. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about it is that, so we're protected by the fourth amendment to, uh, from without a warrant. Mm -hmm. Right. But it doesn't stop the government. And I think there's a case pending with the ACLU right now that the government can buy the data from the cell phone companies. Mm-hmm. To, to your point, it's not, I mean, it's sanitized if we're using that word to describe it, but they have access. So law enforcement can, without a warrant, actually buy the data. And I, there is a case that proves that the cell phone carriers are selling the data. I even think in the Sprint T-Mobile merger that they made, they came out and it was part, either disclosed in that agreement that they were going to use your data for marketing purposes and sell it to other businesses or entities in order to do it. So, I mean, that's that's the tough part in it, Dan. I mean, like whether, I mean, it goes back to our original question you were asked about government tracking us. Is it really the government tracking us? Or is it the cell phone carrier just collecting all of this data and then selling it for profit to, you know, help their bottom line and build their network? I don't know, man. You know, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough one to discern which is really happening. Right. And I think, I think the key, and it'll be interesting to see how this ACLU case shakes out, but, you know, technically the carriers aren't allowed to sell data that says Dan McVaugh was here at this time and went here at this time or Wayne Smith was here and went, but they're able to sell all of these users macroscopically were here and then went there. And then I think with the case with the ACLU may be looking at is that with enough data analytics, could somebody reverse engineer that information and deduce that that was Dan McVar or that was Wayne Smith that was, that had that activity and I, I believe, and we have to look into it, but I believe that that might be part of what the ACLU is claiming is that that it's possible with a lot of data analytics to reverse engineer identity back into the data, even though the identity wasn't shared with the data. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, and you could see, I mean, from GPS data, it's pretty like um, if you've seen one, uh, a lot of parents use Life 360. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting about Live 360 is they state that they're going to sell your information to insurance companies, but you're using it to track your child, right? And then in order for you to use it as a parent, you're giving up your rights to your data. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds you, hey, Wayne, you drove 100 mile an hour this week. Well, great. Thanks for tracking that for me. I really appreciate <laughs> it and that you're going to sell that to someone else. So, I, you know, it comes up with the fundamental thing. Who really owns the data? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's one of the for, you know, for you and I've discussed, it's one of the, the most amazing breakthroughs in technology, you know, in our lifetime. And it's in the mobile phones allowed us to just 
break all kinds of barriers from work from home, just flexibility, just you name it. And now we're having a conversation about the data again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you actually own the data since you're creating it? Or, you know, are you paranoid that some app or company being a bad actor, taking your data and, you know, what can you do about it? Can you do anything about it? I mean, are we right. too far gone? No, no, not at all. I mean, there's definitely things you can do about it. I think the more concerned you are about it, the more um, significant the actions are you need to take to protect yourself. Namely, for example, we're talking about our phones. You know, if, if you don't want any of this tracking information to happen, you basically have to turn your phone back into a voice phone call device only and like it, make it a dumb phone again. You have to turn off all those apps and all the access to data and to position location on all of these apps. If you truly want to sanitize your location information and other information as it relates to the data. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot going on right now legally on who owns that data. Is it yours as an individual or is it the company that gave you the app for free or maybe gave you subscribe to it, but said, Hey, you have to opt into all these things. You, you go to a website now, what websites do you go to? They don't say, Hey, do you want to accept our cookie tracking? Yes or no. Well, if you say no, you can't use a damn website, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's similar to Apple's new update. Mm-hmm. You know, I think iOS 13, do you allow ask app not to track? Right. Right. When you're not using it. And so I, th- I do think that's the world that we should go to. That should be your dis- your decision mm-hmm. to allow them to track you or not track you when you're not using the app. Right. That's what I think people don't get to, Dan, that we should key on a little bit. A lot of the apps on your phone that uses your geolocation is using your data when you're not using the app. Mm hmm. And I do, I do believe that that is a line that should not be crossed personally. Right. You know, like if I, if I'm not using Facebook, well, they should stay out of my life, but when I want to use it, okay, that's, that's the price or the barrier to entry, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to use, but when I'm not doing it, is it, am I signing my whole life away so they can make millions, if not trillions of dollars? Right. Uh, Alpha me, I I believe that's where the line has to come down to in the future. And, you know, one idea that I've been toying with lately is kind of related to this, but it's not. But I I do think it would be the step in the right direction. And I'm probably going down a rabbit hole here (laughs) on the podcast. But I do think with Facebook's, you know, it's it has all this content and all these people's lives on it. If they were to step up and step forward and say, you know, we agree we're making millions, if not trillions of dollars off of your data. How about let's give each consumer some kind of account to to monetize some of those dollars, Mm -hmm. even a shared percentage of what they sell it for, Mm -hmm. even if it's tiny micro, you know, that would be a path for that company to step forward, protect their their customers and the consumer and allow everyday users to monetize their own data. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a step in a direction. It's probably another podcast that we could talk about. Right. But it's amazing how much data that these phones collect and like everything you've done. Yeah. And I, I do think technology is starting to turn the corner towards more self-control of that, right? Your phones now will ask you 
hey, I, I, you know, when you're using this app, it's collecting your location information. Do you still want to allow that? And you can say, you know, all the time or never or only when I'm using the app, for example, right? You're starting to see a lot of improvement around some of that, but there are still definitely a lot of apps that don't have those hooks in them. Um, but it is improving. And I think, you know, just like a lot of what we've talked about, just educating yourself and being more aware. And, you know, for me, I mean, <laughs> my life is is boring. <laughs> so I really don't care about some of my information getting out there. You know, like the Facebook thing is part of it is you can, you can say, you know, on your phone, don't share my info with that app. And I actually sometimes like the ads that I get on Facebook because they are more tar- targeted to my desires and what I like. And so I have bought things that I would have would never have found if I didn't see that ad. So, you know, generally I'm okay with it. Other people, not so much. I get it. So I, I think it's just, again, education, awareness, and you're going to see a lot more technology coming out. There's identity technology companies that are going to start giving us more ownership of our data. For example, we rely on the healthcare industry to keep all of our data, our shot records, our health mm-hmm. records. It's our data about us, very personal, but we don't own it. We don't control it. The hospital does. The doctor does. It's in a file cabinet or it's a me- digital medical record in their servers. These companies are going to start enabling us to like, we possess the data, we own the data. And when some a doctor wants our information, they want our x-rays, we give it to them through our digital identity cloud service as opposed to the other way around. So you're starting to see a lot of that happen. And I think you're going to see more of it. But you know, technically, a lot of the concerns people have, they are they are real. I mean, this our data is being shared and it's out there. And so you you gotta you gotta take care of you know protecting it. Yeah, I guess it boils down to how much value you get from the awesome features and location opens up versus how risky your location information is. Yeah. Being in the hands of, you know, really someone you might not know. That is, you know, we talked about it earlier a little bit uh, with with teens and the use of Snapchat and the Snap Map. That that is a bizarre app, and the reason I bring it up is that you can, you know, have remote strangers that you don't you only meet them virtually through Snapchat, and yet they can see you on the map and everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think it comes a time to your point. You know, I do think that these services and I like you have bought cool things in Instagram that, you know, around biking or hunting or fishing, things that I love to do that I would never got to do in my life has improved for it. So I'm with you. I, I think, uh, are they using the data? Yes. Is it for our own safety? A lot of times it is. Um, we want to want to believe that anyway. And I, I do think for most part it is. Yeah, but I'm rambling a little bit, so I'll let you <laughs> jump in and give closing remarks and go from there with it. It's a, it's a it's a we could talk for hours on this subject. We we could, and I think uh, you know maybe we open up more questions than we provided answers today. But you know, hopefully, it helps people understand again as engineers in the industry a little bit of insight about technically what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, I think there's a lot more work to be done to provide more clarity and, and transparency to what's being done with our data. But, um, but there's definitely, you know, there's silver linings in the things we concerned about as well. So hopefully that, the help, um, as always, thanks again for joining us for another episode of 5G guys, like or share, um, subscribe to the podcast, go to 5gguys.com and, uh, love to see comments on this one. I'm sure there'd be a lot. Take care. Thanks for listening to the 5G guys. 
For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 